Welcome to Clear the Clutter. My name is Margaret, and this podcast is where I give you practical and spiritual advice to get your time back so you can finally spend it how you really want. Hello, hello. Welcome to today's podcast episode. So today, episode number 43, is all about becoming the lighthouse. So while I was thinking today, okay, what am I going to podcast on? What's pulling on my heartstrings? What's chattering around in the background of my brain that needs to come out? I kept thinking of a storm over and over and over again. I was like, okay, well, that's super awesome and helpful and slightly stressful. Why am I thinking of storms all the time? So I kept thinking about a storm and I just kept focusing on being the calm in the storm. Now, depending on, again, when you're listening to this, uh, COVID might still be going on for you. You might be having a really rough time in your life right now. Work might be overwhelming. So I want you to use the metaphor of the storm. And yes, I'm using air quotes, but I want you to use the metaphor of the storm as any area or any part of your life that is just full on overwhelming. So when I say the storm and I say becoming the lighthouse, what I mean is I mean, think of like an epic 100 foot wave style storm happening on the coast and you are this lighthouse and you are this pillar that no matter what can take it, no matter what can guide yourself and guide other people through and that is there and it is stable and it is unshakable. So that's what I want you to think of and picture of throughout this whole podcast episode. Everything around you can be going crazy, but you are the lighthouse. Let's go ahead and dive into actually becoming the quote-unquote lighthouse. Majority of the previous podcast episodes, I would consider, and I was thinking about this earlier, I consider all of those episodes to be maybe a building block in regards to building the lighthouse. So I always you know, preach that everything I teach is timeless. Well, if I'm teaching about being a timeless teacher, for lack of a better word, and I want you to use timeless principles, one thing I want you to do is I want you to learn and I want you to adapt and I want you to grow into becoming what I keep using as unfragile. And I know the wording on that is super messy and clunky and for some people it could be triggering and could be like but fragile I'm not fragile blah 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 Mary Sue's fragile whatevs right I I still have not thought of a better word but literally I think of people out in the world and I inter I interact with a lot of people in the world lately that if any little thing goes wrong or too many little things go wrong in their life they just like fall the fuck apart I don't say it in the sense of, oh, I'm better than them, oh, I'm this, oh, I'm that, and therefore they are less than. I I say this, and Ben and I have had millions of conversations on this, but like I genuinely don't understand how people function and how they're so fragile. Like this thought process that things won't go bad in their life, they won't have to adapt, they won't have to overcome, um, they won't have to take care of themselves, and whatever the manner is, you can enter a problem here, and all of those questions still would apply. I physically cannot fathom that reality, and part of it again, goes back to if you take out the ego factor of it, because it's not coming from a place of ego, it's coming over from a place of, well, I've been through the storm, I am no longer a little tugboat riding that 100 foot wave that is crashing all over the place and capsizing and then going back into the storm and capsizing and then going back into the storm. That's not me anymore. I said, 
fuck this noise, I'm going to elevate. Doesn't matter what is going on around me, I will be the lighthouse. Nothing can shake me, nothing can stress me out, nothing can overwhelm me, no matter what it is, I can take it. Now, of course, being a human and having human experiences, I'm not perfect, but there's a lot of things where my level of reaction, both positive and negative, is a lot more muted and it doesn't get to me as much as it would have 10 years ago. Or maybe, and, and I'm sounding judgy and I'm not meaning to be, but there's other people that I either work with or there's people that I've associated with or there's people that I had as friends that I'm no longer friends with anymore because part of my reality was, well, I'm going to be a strong person, period, end of discussion, literally put a dot in it that is... That is me. When you think of Maggie, when you think of Margaret, she is a strong woman that can take whatever the fuck is thrown at her. I literally became the lighthouse in the midst of chaos before I even could recognize that I needed to be that. And a lot of it comes from when Ben and I were teenagers. There was a massive health crisis that we had to deal with. Uh, when we got married at 19, we got married into a quote-unquote health crisis and I don't necessarily feel comfortable disclosing what that was just because I have not asked him. So we'll just leave it at a massive freaking health, massive freaking health crisis that lasted for a couple of years. So because of that, I still had to work. I still had to go pay bills. I still on occasion had to take care of them. And you know, I've got stories and all of that. And I, I don't bring up these stories to be like, oh, I'm better than anyone. I bring up these stories to give an example of the mindset change and the strength I was willing to imbibe, the strength I was willing to become so that I could quote unquote weather the storm of these quote unquote healthcare, health care, yeah, whatever, health crises. So there was a time when um, I had, I was working, I don't know, I was like 23 maybe-ish. So Ben and I, we got married in 19. We bought our house at 20. Um, no one helped us in regards to buying a house. We saved up the money. We built our credit scores. We picked the house. We did everything. I didn't have mommy and daddy come and be like, oh, here's a house or here's a down payment. None, like, none of it was handed to us. Um, so hence where I have this love-hate relationship with the fragileness of things nowadays. I, I am never expected to be given anything. And I know I'm going on a tangent, but bear with me. I am never expected to be given anything. And anything I either do get or go smoothie, smoothly, not a smoothie, uh, smoothly or things that kind of just quote unquote fall into place. I am obscenely grateful to the point where there's times where I'll be walking in the back pasture with my, my fur babies and like I'll cry because I'm just overcome with gratitude. So in this instance, you know, we had gotten the house, we were in the house for a couple years, we're dealing with this health, massive health issue. And the job I worked at, I worked in a pharmacy company, I used to um, approve the medications. So if it was a medication that was over $1,500, normally you have to send off for authorization to the health insurance company, and then the pharmacy or whatever can fulfill the medication. I was part of the team in the background that did all of those approvals so people could get chemo, people could get radiation, people could get insulin that were 200 not 200 $2,000 a vial. People could get this, people could get these extremely expensive medications. It was me and like 14 other people on this team and we handled all of the medication uh, overrides for WellCare. So super quote unquote important job because again, when you didn't approve a medication in time, you could legit kill someone. Um, so 
we had this crazy job. Well, I had this crazy job I was working at. My husband, Ben, was working at something else. And he had this really massive health issue that we had to take care of. At that point, and I have no clue what their policy is now, but basically I had run through all of my PTO. And except for the last maybe two companies I've worked at, I've always worked at a company that if you do not have PTO and you take time off, you only have X amount of unpaid days off. And then after that, you're fired. And it's a very harsh system. It was like that in health, all the healthcare jobs I worked at. And it was like that in all the IT jobs I worked at. And I know in the movement of labor and fair wages and flexibility, it sounds extremely harsh. I actually like it and appreciate it because if something is that chronic and that's going on, you need to apply, at least in the States, you need to apply for FMLA. It's a, um, well, in Florida anyway, it's called the Florida Medical Leave Act, which basically says shit has hit the fan. I've had a child. I have had a life legitimate. It's called a life altering event. I need to step away from my job for up to 12 weeks and also know that it is guaranteed that if something happens, I can go back, but I do not have to, quote unquote, be at that job for 12 weeks. And I don't know, in my head, it's a lot cleaner and I like the rules and I like the structure and I like that it calls people on their shit that, you know, all these other companies I worked at, that they had such a strict policy of you either use your PTO wisely and you're mindful of it, or if you've had too many either unpaid days or whatever, you need to apply for FMLA or you're not available to work here anymore. Because again, all of the companies I worked at, the jobs that we did, the teams that was on, we were on very critical teams. You could not have 14, 15, I think at one point we got up to 18 people in that pharmacy department. You couldn't have half of them decide to call out and be like, oh, well, it's no, not a big deal. No, it really is a big deal because if those people didn't show up and do their job, it's physically impossible for us to go ahead and work enough overtime to cover other people. It's easier to make mistakes. All of these bad things can happen and you actually had people's life in your hands. So I liked that it had a strict policy. I liked that there was boundaries. Total side tangent. Let's go back to becoming unfragile. So because of this, we have this huge medical issue that's going on. Um, I had run out of PTO and I didn't, I only needed two days off and that was it. It, it was two days. It would take care of everything and it would kind of like roll me over. I didn't need to apply for FMLA or any of that stuff. So I worked with my pharmacist at the time because I was like, well, clearly I need to take these two days off. Um, because of the company we worked at, we were technically a company that was open seven days a week. So legitimately, I don't remember the amount of days I worked, but I worked, it was like 14 or 15 days straight doing pharmacy stuff for people that could like legitimately die if I fucked up. But I worked about 14, 50 days straight so that I could take my two normal days off and I could roll them to the two days that I needed. Took those two days off, dealt with the health medical crisis with my husband, and then went back to work. And I don't know, I, I have this struggle of sharing that story because I mean it as a story of look at what I'm willing to do, look at the things I'm willing to go through. I am not fragile. I am a strong woman that can go ahead and handle whatever is thrown at me. And then the other part of me is like, well, a lot of society is not built like that. So I'm going to come across sounding like a dick. I'm going to come across sounding as rude or um, not family first or any of those things. And it's not that case at all. It was what I had chosen to 
become. I had chosen to work at a company that genuinely, I worked there for a couple years. I loved my, loved my job. Um, I loved my commute. I loved my coworkers. I loved the impact of what I did. There was, again, times that I'd be so grateful of like the things that we could do or get covered that I would cry. Like, so I truly did love my job. And of course I love my husband. So I decided that I was not going to choose. I was not going to say, well, I choose my husband or I choose my job because at that point I needed to be the stable source of income and I also needed to be the fucking health insurance. So it wasn't like I could be like, oh, well, I'm just going to go get any la-da-da job. And mind you, I wasn't making like a bajillion dollars. Back in that day, I think it was making $12.50 an hour. And that was, I don't know, let's say 12, 13 years ago. No, I don't know eight, nine, ten years ago, something in that range. So it wasn't like I was making hundreds of thousands of dollars or I was making bank or whatever. Like it was a pretty entry level job. I just got picked for it. Um, but it, it came down to a series of decisions of making the choice of, well, if I'm going to be the strong woman, what does that mean? So being the strong woman for me, and again, this eventually built into becoming a lighthouse for, you know, a good metaphor, a good clean metaphor. But being a strong woman to me meant being able to take care of my husband when I needed to, being able to work 15 days straight when I needed to, being able to take those two days off and then go back to freaking work again. It meant being able to do all of these things without complaining, without needing coddling, without needing praise. I mean, I just started retelling that story maybe about a year or two ago because I would have other people tell me about how life is so hard and it's so overwhelming and I'm like uh did you go through x y and z and I would share what the issue was and have to work 15 days straight and make sure that you didn't screw up and make sure that you didn't get you know you, you got past the layoff rounds because mind you when you're in healthcare, at least the companies I used to work for Every year, and it was the same thing in IT, every year they would take probably the bottom 10 or 15% and fire them because they could not perform well. And mind you, it wasn't like an exact number. There wasn't a cutoff. It wasn't a guillotine. But basically, if you were smart and paid attention and did the math, if you were not performing, you lost your freaking job. And because I liked what I did and I didn't have any other prospects that were like, hey, we'll pay you more to come to work for us, I decided that being part of that personality, that persona, being the lighthouse, being the strong woman meant nutting up, which you know, I know it's crass, but what else? Nutting up and doing the work. And if the work meant showing up 15 days in a row, okay, got it. Let's do this shit and move on. I'll listen to my podcasts. I'll pack my lunches. I'll do things to go ahead and kind of tweak my mind so it doesn't get to me. But like I showed up and I did the work. And so this persona over time built, and mind you, that was exhausting. It was so exhausting. Um, but like it built over time. Every time there was something massive that would happen, uh, we would have a massive bill come. We would have a massive health issue. We would have this. We would have that. I mean, I've talked and shared about so many big things that have happened in my life. I was like, okay, I'm going to choose to rise above this. I literally pictured it in my head. I'm going to rise above this. And only recently did I realize the whole mindset of I'm going to rise above this. I'm going to be the strong woman. I'm going to be the person that can handle anything and keep on rolling. I'm going to be the person that, it, you know, it, it doesn't overwhelm them, that they can grow through this. They can learn from this. They are willing to, you know, I, I am open and willing to see things differently. All of those mantras I've told myself over the last decade plus have built into what I now consider a lighthouse. 
And yes, I get stressed out sometimes. And yes, I get overwhelmed sometimes. But I think a lot of the reason why I sometimes get stressed out or overwhelmed is because I, I forget to center myself and go back to who do I want to be? Who do I want to become? What is the core part of me? And the core part of me is a lighthouse. I am strong. I am reliable. I am consistent. I am stable. I am always there and I'm always willing to guide the way for other people. So if that is who I truly want to be, if we, we boiled it all down, that's who I want to be, that's who I want to become, then I need to use all of these past episodes, all of these stories, all of these lessons as a building block so that as I'm quote unquote doing maintenance to the lighthouse and there is a brick that is either not stable or maybe it's, a, you know, I'm using bricks as a, a metaphor for an idea or a mindset or a belief. If there is a quote unquote brick that is not what I want it to be anymore, not strong anymore, maybe there's a better idea that can replace it. In my head, I can picture it that I, I take that one brick out, I take the new idea, mantra, belief, and I put it in that spot and then I, I spackle it in and then boom, my lighthouse is now that much stronger. I'm constantly building it, I'm constantly maintaining it, I'm constantly making it this amazing fortress that can take care of me, but also can guide other people. So when I talk about becoming unfragile, and I talk about the harsh realities and the harsh harshness of what I think of as fragility, I, I come from it as a point of this is life. This is reality. These are, you know, COVID right now, again, if you're listening to this in somewhat of a relative live time span, COVID is super fucked up. You know, people have died from it. People have not died from it. The supply chain has completely fallen apart. Parties and political people are fighting against each other. You've got this, you've got all this shit going on. But part of it is like, well, uh, duh, how did all of us not see this coming? I mean, we've only been talking about zombies and the apocalypse for the last, I don't know, at least decade now. I mean, how many zombie movies are there that are super popular? You know, like World War Z, and you've got, um, oh my god, that one with Will Smith, and you have all these, like, freaking The Walking Dead. Like, you have all these zombie movies when basically society falls apart. Well, zombies were the metaphor. The falling apart is the reality. So, to, to think that something like that couldn't happen where it would disrupt reality is just illogical to me. It, it's not thinking of the bigger picture as not being the lighthouse in the storm. Because again, if you, and I'm not using you as you, but like if person X, if Mary Sue, John Smith, whoever's right, if they can only function, if everything is lined up, then literally they're not going to know how to function in the world, in reality, in society. Because that's not how life is. Life is, and, and mind you, I go back to, we are very lucky in this time frame because we don't have massive famine majority of the time. We don't have massive wars majority of the time. We have, depending on where you live, you have public sewage, you have water that comes to your house, you have electricity, you have the ability to have either a phone or a website or a computer to even listen to me. So there's so many things that we are so blessed in this time frame of reality to have access to but the harsher part of reality is that things are constantly changing things are constantly you know there's always going to be a threat out there maybe the threat's not the tiger anymore but that doesn't mean the threats have gone away just because you can go into your house and set your ac and you can snuggle under some blankies like 
You still have to live. You still have to survive. Maybe your threat now is a super shitty boss. Maybe your threat now instead of that tiger is a super shitty friend or a super, super shitty family member. Maybe your threat is, oh, my job or my industry is starting to literally get cannibalized. I need to find a new career or a new way of making money. So there's always a tiger and to think that there's not a tiger anymore and that the world can be easy and perfect and you can just float through it, it's just, in my head, it's asinine because that's not how it is. You just, you, John Smith, Mary Sue, whoever, right? They are choosing to put their head in the sand and putting your head in the sand doesn't help you. It doesn't make you a stronger person. It doesn't make you a more vibrant person. It doesn't make you, it literally does not make you the lighthouse. It makes it so that if anything happens, you are just completely wiped out and that's not going to solve anything. Your problems are not going to go away because you decided to put your head in the sand. Not you, you know what I mean. Let's use a metaphysical you. You know, John Smith, Mary Sue's problems are not going to go away because they put their head in their sand. Their problems are not going to just magically solve themselves because they decided to put them off on someone else or they decided to ignore them or they decided to hide. You know, I've talked very openly about going to therapy and using that as a way to go ahead and shore up some of those bricks that I was talking about. I have been very open that there was a time in my life that I was severely depressed and I actually, I don't know if I've said this part, but I've gone through, well, I, gone, I went to a addiction specialist because my depression was so bad that I was like, okay, well, clearly in my head, I, it was like, well, clearly I'm addicted to being depressed. It's something that I know how to do over and over and over again. And I, I legitimately told the therapist this and he actually laughed because he thought it was really cool. But I went to go see him on my first visit and he's like, okay, why are you here? What can I help you with? Mind you, he was a therapist that was the court appointed therapist for the most part for people that had substance abuses. So they were uh, addicted to crack. They were addicted to heroin. They were addicted to, I don't know, other stuff I can't even think of. And they would like break into places to get money so they could go buy crack. Like this was the guy that they were assigned to. And he's like, you know, why are you here? What substance are you abusing? Is it alcohol? Is it this? Is it that? And I'm like, no, it's depression. And he's like, depression? Okay, so why are you here? Because I'm not necessarily, most people don't come to see me for that. And I, I totally have this memory like like seared into my brain. And I told him, I'm like, well, my belief is that addiction, anxiety, those things that I struggle with is an addiction. You know, having, always being able to be anxious and therefore get out of the situation is an addiction. Always being able to get depressed and never having to change it is an addiction. And if you can work with someone that is addicted to crack, then I should be easy. And of course he laughed and I wasn't trying to belittle anyone's addiction or anyone's struggle. But what I had recognized, again, before I could fully comprehend the, the, the metaphor of the lighthouse and the picturing of the lighthouse, but what I could recognize was I needed tools, I needed resources. You know, as I've gotten older, I started using mantras to go ahead and, and build up this fortress that could take care of me, take care of my family, and could, again, help take care or at least guide others to follow the path that they chose to of things that I have accomplished, both good and bad. So again, I go back to the, this thought process of, being, process of being fragile. Being fragile means that you see the tire, tiger, you're looking at the tiger, you know the tiger's trying to come and eat you, but you just turn your back and go, the tiger's not there, the tiger's not there. No, the tiger is literally there and they're gonna eat you. Doesn't matter if you believe in it or not. So with all of that being said, I want you to understand 
even though I stutter like crazy sometimes in this podcast, that the words you have and the words you use, they matter. In my belief, they literally become the thought process and they become your quote-unquote building blocks of who you are and who you want to become. And I know I've talked about your future self a lot and becoming someone and all of that. If you haven't listened to the episode, um, what was it? I think it's Becoming Your Future Self. And I'll link it in the show notes. So if you haven't listened to that episode, finish listening to this one, but then go back before you do the journal prompts. Go back and listen to the Future Self podcast and a lot of it will make more sense. Again, I, I take my, my work and I build upon it. So a lot of this thought process and the belief and the passion and the Becoming the Lighthouse, a lot of it came from a book I'm reading. And again, that'll be linked in the show notes as well. Um, I'm actually pulling it up on my phone as I speak to y'all. So it is, uh, da, 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 it is Infinite Self by Stuart Wilde. And my mom has been reading Stuart Wilde books for like evs now. She started getting on the Stuart Wilde kick when I started getting on the Amanda Francis kick. I don't think that any teacher is wrong. Whoever you're called to, you're called to. But one thing I always found was kind of funny was if I was drawn to something, but yet I would try and read it and my eyes and my brain would glaze over and I would literally like go into a fog and go like, oh my God, what did I just listen to? What did I just read? Normally that was a signal that I was reading something, not word-wise that was more than my comprehension, but like spiritually or like, I don't know, I guess spiritually for lack of a better word. It was more than my spirit could handle. It was more than my spirit and my eyes and my soul was open and awake to. So my mom being the super OG badass that she is, she's reading Stuart Wilde and I'm like, what the heck is this dude talking about? This shit is like super woo and super, super, super next level. I couldn't, I couldn't get my brain around it. So I was gravitating a lot towards Amanda Francis's teachings instead. Well, now that things have gone on and time has gone by and I feel like I am very well versed in Amanda Francis's content and work and I feel that I'm very well versed in um what's her name Katrina Ruth's content I was like okay well who's another person that is in that high level of next vibiness that I could learn from that I could build better stronger more badass building blocks for my lighthouse and Stuart Wilde came to mind. I was like, okay, cool. There's a couple of his books that are free on Kindle. So I was like, okay, let me go ahead and read them through my Kindle app. And I'm still reading, mind you, a person that reads 150 to 200 books a year. I am still like three weeks in reading the same book. I think I'm only on like chapter 15 or something like that out of 33 chapters. His work, and I don't say that to like, oh, I'm not reading fast enough or whatever. So like his work is deep. And I have learned that when I, I find a topic that is deep and is powerful and like, oh my God, this could change not just one building block, this could change like a whole section. I, I try and sit with it a little more. I let, I let it marinate in my brain and in my soul so that I feel like I can truly comprehend it. I don't just blow through it and be like, ah, yeah, I'll go back to it. No, like there's a reason why you go back to classic works, um, which pretty much most of those books I have on the books I love section of my website. But, you know, there's a reason why I go back to them, but I also made sure to take my time and absorb them the first time. And then when I do go back, I try and look for that next level knowledge or next level meaning. So 
reading Stuart Wilde's book, I thought it was kind of perfect timing because today um, it's talking about your ego. Well, no, let me rephrase. It talked about your ego. It talked about overcoming your ego. It talks about putting yourself in uncomfortable situations. And I'm definitely in an uncomfortable situation reading his book and having to absorb it. Um, it's, I've even made it to where in the past I would always read at least one to three books at any given time. I made it so that I will not read any other book. I will not, in my eyes, hide from his teachings or his method or his, you know, whether I believe in it or not, his belief patterns. I will not hide by saying, oh, I'll start this book and then I'll put it aside. Then I'll come back and I'll put it aside. So every day, whether it's a paragraph, whether it's a handful of pages, whether it's a whole chapter, I read a little more until I, I feel like, okay, this is as much as I can comprehend. So when he got to the part of putting yourself in uncomfortable situations so that you can recognize that it's all about your perception, it's all about the words you're using to tell yourself, the thought processes you have, your belief systems, and that 90-something percent of what we feel is uncomfortable is not really that big of a deal. And you're not, again, I go back to the literal sense of dying. You're not like hanging off of a cliff by holding a thread. And, you know, like drastic things. You're not going to literally in the figurative literal biological sense die so why are you letting your boss that's yelling at you get to you because like he's not going to bust out a gun and kill you you know so if it's not that if it's not at that level then how do you desensitize yourself how do you remove your ego how do you quote unquote become the lighthouse so it doesn't matter what's going on around you you can be like okay and then you just truck on. So when I was reading the book this morning, uh, there's two phrases that he talked about in the chapter I'm in. And I was like, oh man, this is so good. I have to write it down. So the first quote was, it's always going to be something. It's how you respond to things. Now, I know that a lot of people say that, but I, I, I truly deeply believe that. So going back to the lighthouse metaphor, you are going to be the lighthouse. You are you are physically the lighthouse, whether you're the little person on the inside or whether you're the actual bricks itself, whatever version of the metaphor works for you. But there's always going to be water outside. There's always going to be wind outside. There's always going to be turf and, and, and all of these things going on, whether it's a storm, whether it's a calm day. It's just a matter of how you respond. So are you the lighthouse that if a storm comes, you shut down and turn your lights off? Or are you the lighthouse that when a storm's coming, you go, you put up your, you know, your storm shutters. But again, you keep that light going on and it's circling. And no matter what, you are that guiding post that can help anyone else that's going through that storm. How are you the person that responds? And I just, and I don't know why that one phrase spoke to me, but it spoke to me so deeply. I was like, oh my God, I need to be a better lighthouse. The second phrase that I totally loved is, you can have loads of problem and still be serene, quietly working your way through things. So again, you are this lighthouse. So if I want to be this lighthouse, I want to be this strong, resilient person that no matter what shit doesn't shake me, shit doesn't get to me, I can go ahead and move on. I can process my things and I don't literally or figuratively or even emotionally, I don't fall apart. So what does that mean? What does it mean to be serene? What does it mean to have loads of problems and not succumb to them? What things do I have to do? Um, and I know I'm kind of like edging into some of the journal prompts a little bit, but the whole point of all of this is every single person is going to have a different journey. So I'm going to have a different journey in my life than Ben is. doesn't matter that we've been together since we were 16 years old and we will literally be together till the moment one of us passes. And then probably just because we live so close and so close together that we're going to be that couple that like when one dies, the other one dies like six months afterwards, not to be morbid, just 
how we are. We do literally everything together. I've gone back to, and I've been thinking about this a lot, I cannot imagine going a full day without being with him. I can't imagine working without him. I can't imagine cooking dinner without him. I can't imagine going through all of my ups and downs and everything even more so than what a normal married person would go through. Like, I physically want him to be by my side all day. That is what makes my marriage so amazing. That's what makes us sparkle and shine, and that's what makes us happy. With that being said, you know, they're gonna, there's going to be human moments. There's going to be times where I'm upset or he's upset or we both are going through our own things and processing things. But, like, how do I be the lighthouse so that if, I, if right now there's a bunch of shit going on, how do I be the lighthouse so that if he's struggling with something, he can use me as a guiding light to come in safely? If I'm struggling with something, how can he be the guiding light for me to come in safely? So the guiding light in this, again, kind of weirdish metaphor it is not just for you but it's also for the people that you love or sometimes it's for people that you impact and you never even recognize that you impact maybe there's something that you do that is just so awesome so amazing so serene so effortless that you don't even think about it but you now are the lighthouse for someone else. And being the lighthouse doesn't mean that you're always getting the praise. I mean, if anything, majority of the time being a lighthouse means you don't get the praise. You're expected, you're there, you're constant. You're just shy of taken for granted. Now, I don't want you to be a lighthouse that's taken for granted, but I want you to understand all of this comes from a deeper place, a deeper emotional support value or belief system than just your ego. You're not like the lighthouse that's all of a sudden on Instagram and posting, oh, I replaced this brick today and I replaced this brick today and we just upgraded to storm shutters 940, blah, 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 blah. Like, it doesn't matter, you know, what you've done. There's no need to boast about it, brag about it. The whole point of being the lighthouse is so that if there is something going on, if there is... Uh, overwhelm, struggle, emotional, whatever, that you can either flock to yourself or you can be the person that people flock to and you can be that strength, you can be that strong person, you can be that support system. Yeah, that's, that's really, if you really think about it, that is really being the lighthouse. You are there to guide yourself and others. And part of that means working on yourself and doing the maintenance and making sure that you are paying attention attention to the words that you use you'll hear me even in this episode every time I either stutter or say the word wrong I could totally roll through it I could totally try and use my baby editing skills and cut the word out but in reality I stop and I re-say the word again just because I know that or at least I believe every word we say has power every word we say has meaning and the reason why I say that is your subconscious brain, if we take out all the woo and we go to the practical, right? Your subconscious brain is always listening. Your subconscious brain is always feeding on the information you're providing. It is always going, okay, well, if Maggie believes that she's the lighthouse, and Maggie believes that she's a strong woman that can handle anything, okay, well, cool, how do we fulfill that? Your, your subconscious is almost um, like a baby in its innocence that it doesn't know if you're lying to it or not. So, the words that you tell it matter. So if you constantly are quote unquote lying to yourself, but you're lying to yourself in a positive way of, I am the lighthouse, I can overcome anything, I'm open and willing to see things differently, I am blah, da, 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 da. If you're constantly telling yourself that, 
then your subconscious mind is going to be like, yeah, that's what we are. That's what we do. That's who we kind of show up as. Like that is what your subconscious mind is going to think. Now, if you're constantly telling yourself, I'm a piece of shit, I'm this, I'm overweight, I'm ugly, I'm blah, 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 blah all these horrible negative things, your subconscious is going to be like, oh, okay, cool. So we're overweight, we're a piece of shit, we're ugly. All right, so if we're ugly, what do we do to make sure that we're ugly? If we're overweight, what do we make sure to do that we're overweight? If we're a piece of shit, what do we do to make sure that we're a piece of shit? Your, again, your subconscious brain doesn't recognize a lie from a truth. So the words that you internalize, the belief systems you internalize, deeply matter because they do become the core of who you are. Back in the day, I used to say that people don't change who they are. They just become more of who they are. And I think a part of you can be that way. But I think the other part of it is it's not that you don't change or you become more of who you are. You become more of who you tell yourself you are. So if I, for the last decade, has con have constantly told myself, I am strong, I am the lighthouse, I am willing to see things differently, I'm open to guidance, I'm da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da, I've literally become that person over the last decade. Now, had I had spent the last decade either not working on myself or saying that I was this horrible person and so on and so forth, then I would have become that person. So I think part of it is very malleable. And just like with anything else, especially when I was going to therapy and I was learning from an addiction specialist, I learned a lot about how your brain works. And the blessing and the curse is that you can change it. So um, there's another really good book. And again, it'll be in the show notes. It's um, got something along the lines of changing your habits. And it's got, it's a yellow cover and it's got a Ferris wheel on it. And it talks about how to change your habits and all of the stuff. And it's, it's a fantastic book. And if you're trying to change really bad, old, negative habits, totally go pick up this book. It, it's, fan again, fantastic. But I go back to everything that you're doing it's who you're going to become 10 years from now, 15 years from now, 20 years from now. So going back to plants, because being this plant farmer and palm tree farmer, I am just digging and diving into plants more and more and more. When you take a plant, you've, okay, let's go back to palm trees. You take a palm tree and you take the seed, you put it in shitty soil, you never fertilize it, you barely water it, and you wonder why if it even sprouts, it sprouts and it's all like haggard and craggly looking. Versus if you plant it in amazing soil, if you fertilize it, if you make sure it gets enough water and sunlight, if you truly take care of it, it's a freaking shocker that the plant not only grows faster than anyone else's plants, but it grows more vibrant, grows more beautiful, grows more luscious, is a palm tree-ness, whatever, like it's, it's, it's amazing what you take care of, how that flourishes. So when I go back to those words, when I go back to my belief systems, when I go back to, you know, being open and willing to see things differently, being willing to read a book that's making my my brain just kind of explode every other chapter, you know, I'm going back and I'm amending the soil. I'm going back and I'm putting the fertilizer. I'm going back and watering it when it hasn't rained. I'm going back and making sure it's gotten sunlight if it's a cloudy day. I'm going and I'm taking care of everything that needs to be taken care of. I am replacing those bricks in my lighthouse. I'm being a guiding light. I'm making sure that I go back and I, I polish my little I don't know, light reflective lensy thingy that is shining the light out to others so that if anyone needs guidance, it can come from a place of love and not from a place of ego. And that's what I want you to focus on. Change is always going to be there. 
Stress is always going to be there. Uncertainty is always going to be there, but you don't have to react to it. You can be the serene person. You can be the lighthouse no matter what is going on. And yes, you're going to have your human emotions, but even in that instant, your human emotions doesn't have to take you out. It doesn't have to prevent you from achieving or becoming or, you know, imbibing who the person you want to be. So with that being said, let's dive into the journal prompts. So journal prompt number one is I would love you to go ahead and identify what areas you're fragile in. So what areas do you tell yourself you can't? What areas do you, you know, let yourself get away with really bad habits? What areas do you not take care of yourself and could be a weak point? What, where are you fragile? And I do want to point out, if your fragileness is so bad that you need to go see a therapist, please go see a therapist, even if it's a free one, because... And yes, there are free therapists out there. There are people that are doing uh, work for school. There are volunteers. There are hotlines. I, I never want someone to think like, okay, well, I can just figure it out on all on my own. I've never figured everything out all on my own. I've always been open and willing to use my resources. So if your depression or your anxiety is truly that bad, please, 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 please go get help. And whatever help that means, if that means talking to a pastor, a priest, a person of your religious faith, if that means talking to a professional, if that means talking to a professional in training, if that means talking to someone that you deeply trust and love, I, I don't care how you get the help. Like, I want you to get the help. Part of making sure that you're not fragile anymore is being willing to get help. So that's my little PSA moment for everyone that has struggled with depression or anxiety like I have. Journal prompt number two, what words do you want to leave behind and what words do you want to become? So the words that I used to like to use a lot and I never wanted to use again and I didn't want them to become part of my vocabulary was stressed and overwhelmed. I constantly, and whether it was conscious or not, I constantly said, I'm so stressed, I'm so overwhelmed. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to tell myself that anymore. I could have a million things going on. I could have work that I have to take home and that I got, you know, shit to do for days. But I'm not going to see it as stress. I'm not going to see it as overwhelm. I'm going to see it as an opportunity to learn. I'm going to see it as an opportunity to grow. Maybe it's an opportunity to go ahead and outsource or push back and say like, bitch, you got hands. I'm going to look at it as an opportunity to be mindful of whatever is going on. So I went and took stress and overwhelm to lessons and opportunities. You know, so what words would you want to leave behind? What words do you want to become? Journal prompt number three is what areas do you need to be more intentional in? So Areas that I had needed to be more intentional in was working on the palm tree farm. Areas that I needed to focus on was doing a handful of things in our private life a little more consistently. Being a lot more open to have difficult conversations with other people. And being willing to tell someone no. Like, oh my god, that used to be such a hard, such a hard thing for me. I hated being able or not being able to tell people no even so I would just roll over and do it and I'd be miserable and the whole thing would be a miserable experience instead of saying no I can't or no my schedule or no whatever the reasoning right so I wanted to be more intentional in saying no and it took a couple of years but I was able to get there so what areas would you want to be more intentional in and then the last journal prompt, journal prompt number four, is what tools or processes can you use in the future to still be serene through the storm? And that was something I learned from a therapist. Now, obviously, he didn't use those words, 
But he always, you know, I, I've heard people use uh, a meditation practice. I've heard people use a, a grounding practice. I've heard people do whatever. Like the verbiage, it matters, but it doesn't matter. The action matters just as much as the verbiage. So back in the day when I would get super overwhelmed and I would feel in a panic attack coming, I would figure out how to pause, step away from the situation. And even if that meant I had to go and quote, take a you know, a bathroom break and I would hide in the bathroom for 10 minutes. I would hide in the bathroom for 10 minutes at work and I would breathe and I would focus on, okay, this is who I'm going to become. This is not that big of a deal. I remember there was this one healthcare company I worked at. No, not healthcare. It was a IT company I worked at and it was very, very, very high stress. Um, that there would be times that I would get so stressed out and so overwhelmed and I didn't want to be that person. So I would take the 10 minutes, I'd go, and if I could, I'd go walk around the building and kind of physically shake it out of my body and say, like, that's not me anymore. I'm going to go back in strong. I'm going to go back in not overwhelmed, so on and so forth. Or if I couldn't leave, we had um, this really huge, like, huge handicapped uh, bathroom. So I would go in there, and all joking aside, I would go, and I would do a handstand against the wall because I'm not that cool. But, like, I would go and do a handstand for as long as I could handle it to physically move the energy in and out of my body so that I could go back to being that serene person. Now, I don't need to do that anymore, but I do have little coping mechanisms or little quote unquote triggers that I can use to be like, okay, I'm starting to slide off track. Boom. How do I get back to who I want to become? How do I get back to being that lighthouse versus being the little tugboat out in the storm? So whatever the process is, whatever the tool is, I would love for you to have that as something that you have access to so that you can not get super off course. And don't worry, I've got, well, that was the last journal prompt, but don't worry. The books that I talked about in this episode are going to be on the show notes. The journal prompt is going to be in the show notes. The podcast episode that I re- I mentioned is going to be in the show notes. So everything's going to be in your show notes. Um, so if you want to really dive deep into this one and kind of go over and over and over it, you can hopefully, depending on what podcast listener you're using, um, you should either be able to click on the hyperlink or just copy and paste that hyperlink and it'll take you right to it. It'll make everything super easy for you to become your own lighthouse. And with that being said, I want you to shine bright. I want you to be intentional. I want you to become that unfragile person and now become that strong, resilient, guiding, loving light. And know that no matter what comes your way, you can handle it. Have a burning question for me? Want that link I was talking about? Get access to all the resources and links that were mentioned in this episode and others over at margaretstevens.co. And if you haven't, don't forget to sign up for my VIP list where I share special bonuses, pre-launch coupon codes, and advice I don't share anywhere else. Thanks for listening.